welcome to another amazing episode of Retrovaniacs. As always, I'm Jerry Parmentier, here with Jerry Gregory. Hey, guys. And Billy is again out, and you know, that's an even bigger shame than it has been other episodes, because this time we're playing a game that I'm certain he likes, because I can't believe there would be many people who don't like it. We're going to be talking about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the Hyperstone Heist for the Sega Genesis. But before we get into that, Jeremy, what have you been playing since our last episode? I, I have actually gotten back into Final Fantasy XIV randomly. Um I think I mentioned several podcasts ago, like maybe a year ago, that I was doing the world's slowest playthrough of the latest expansion for that game since I just completely binged through the entire thing in like four or five months. And so I just kind of let, letting this go as like a slow grind. And my brother randomly got this, uh, a girlfriend that, that plays Final Fantasy fourteen. And even though I have told him for years that this is a very good MMO and worth his time, he would never, never sway away from World of Warcraft. But by God, he gets a girlfriend. And guess who's playing Final Fantasy XIV now? <laughs> and guess who's helping them go through these lower level dungeons? And so he's having a good time with it. And, you know, he's... Uh, it's it's just a, a crazy mess to go through your first time. I can't even imagine what it's like now. Um, but yeah, it's, it's uh, I, I started doing that and then started going through um, some some more quests and things like that. And yeah, I'm, I've been back at it, and I think I'm right at the end of the latest expansion. So I'm gonna try to get through that here in the next week. I think I finally got some time to just sit down and really. Finish it up so I can finally put that on the back burner. That has been something that it's just been gnawing at my mind for like the last year or so. Of just being like, man, I just, I barely played this. I really need to play it and, and never did. So it's good to be back at that. But that's really about all I've had time to play in the last few weeks. Yeah, I know. I, I played it for a little bit there and I liked it. I just can't, I can't put time into an MMO. Before I had kids, I played a lot of World of Warcraft, and then literally the the moment my son was born, I was like, I think I can still play. And after like half of an expansion, I was like, I, and I was on a raiding guild at the time. So I was like, I just don't have the time. You guys are trying to do this three nights a week. I'm not able to make it all of them. I feel like I'm behind. You know what? I'm out. And so then when I played Final Fantasy XIV, I liked it. And I thought it was really cool. But as soon as I got to the part where I felt like I, I wasn't trying to raid or anything, but still it was like, oh, I kind of need to coordinate with people. I was like, yeah, I'm good. I'm out. I'll come back to this some other time. And I haven't. Uh, and I know I'll never find time for it again. But someday, perhaps, if my family moves away. I will play Final Fantasy XIV, but uh, instead, I finally uh, jumped into Persona 5 Tactics. It's free on, well, not free, it's on it's on Game Pass, so I checked that out. Uh, if you liked the Mario Rabbids kind of uh, strategy games that they put out, this is very, very similar, but of course, with Persona Tactics uh, for, for things like, you know, do the, the get one more attack if you can hit them with a weakness, and you can chain attacks with your friends, and, and it's, you know, it's, it's very similar to the Persona Q games they put out that were basically Etrian Odyssey, but with you know, the mechanics of a Persona game for some of the combat. And this is the same idea with uh, with the Ra Mario Rabbids game style, but with Persona characters and this Persona kind of background for how the powers work. It's I'm enjoying it. I'm not extremely far in. I may be like 10 hours in, but I highly recommend it, especially if you have Game Pass and you like either Persona or Mario Rabbids. It's, it's a solid game. I'm thoroughly enjoying it. But the other things I'm playing is this month specifically, I guess November really, 
uh, the Evercade dumped a whole bunch of cards out. They were supposed to have cards that were going through the beginning of November through um, kind of like right before Christmas. But instead of, uh, of that, because of shipping delays and then because of the delays, other things got shipped earlier than they should have. They pushed six carts out within like a two-week span. So I've been playing a lot of Evercade. The The big thing, though, is a game I didn't even think I would care about too much. I just got it because I, I buy all the carts at this point. Uh, it's a game called Good Boy Galaxy, and it's not exclusive to Evercade, but it is a, a full-size game. It looks like it's a Game Boy Advanced game. It probably is, uh, like Game Boy Advanced-based. Uh, but it is it is a fairly solid kind of Metrovania-style game, uh, but with you know really cute cartoon characters and uh, a lot of different missions to do. I I've been playing that nonstop, and of course, they put out the Duke Nukem collection uh, that has the revamped Duke Nukem's 1 and 2, which, if you're an old man like me, uh, will make you smile, because it reminds me of sitting in my friend's house playing tons of computer games, uh, and then finding Duke Nukem and, like, uh, Commander Keen and those kind of PC platformers and thinking, I'd rather play on Nintendo, but we're here, we'll play this, and then finding out I, I really like them. So I've played a lot of Evercade, uh, but thankfully... This is not going to be a full episode out of Evercade. We've already done one of those, and I'm, I, I had a good time with it. But this instead is about the Sega Genesis game, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Hyperstone Heist. Now, I had not played this before, unsurprisingly. Again, I, I didn't have a Genesis until way later. And then just looking at the box, I thought, oh, it's it's another kind of side-scrolling, brawling Turtles game. Looks very similar to Turtles in Time, so I'll skip this. It It's not really Turtles in Time, which is what I thought it was. It, it's its own beast, but had you played this before? No, I never played it as a kid because I was that asshole that was like, you know, I've already got Turtles in Time on the Super Nintendo. Why would I want a lesser version of that game? But this was also at that time when Konami was releasing a lot of their games on the Genesis in a completely different state than what it is on the Super NES. Like they did it with uh, Turtles and or um, Tournament Fighters. Like the, the Super NES and and the Genesis games are completely different. And I didn't realize just how different the Turtles game that you know this is. Uh, I always saw it was like a different name. But you turn it over and look at the box. I'm just like, this is just Turtles in Time. You know, the levels kind of look the same. It's the same enemies. <clears throat> the sprites look the same. So I never bothered with it. And then later on, I found out that it was, it, it is a different game. And I've, I've always been kind of interested to go back and check it out to see just how different it is, what they've done to it. So I, I was actually looking forward to doing this episode. I think we've been trying to do this episode for like the last two months now. So we're finally going to get it out here before Christmas. Um, it, it, it is a, a very interesting version of a Turtles game. Yeah, I, I you know, I, it does look like it's Turtles in Time, even from the beginning. Like, I played Turtles in Time right before this for a little bit just to kind of get the feel for it because I knew it was not really the same game, but very, very similar. When you start the game up, you see the cinematic and it's basically the same kind of cinematic as Turtles in Time. When you watch Turtles in Time, you see the, the Manhattan skyline, I guess, and the Statue of Liberty. And then, you know, Crane comes down and steals the Statue of Liberty. This is the same picture, but the skyline of Manhattan is gone and you see the Statue of Liberty really fade out, like warp out. And then the story instead in this is not that Crane has stolen the Statue of Liberty, but in fact that 
uh, Shredder has the Hyperstone. He's able to then use that to warp away Manhattan and the Statue of Liberty. So you're supposed to go save that. But it's it's it looks like it's the same exact image. They just modified it slightly. Even the whole intro where it's the turtles gather on the TV. I mean, sure, that's very standard from the arcade, but it's the same exact image. Like it looks very much like they took Turtles in Time and then did something, you know, I, I don't want to say they did it for limitations on the system. I don't know if they just did it because they thought it was different, but it is it is still the same kind of game, right? It's not it's not going to blow your mind. If you were looking for something similar to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles arcade games or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 4 uh, on the Super Nintendo, it is a very similar game style, right? It doesn't do a whole lot differently, but instead of having uh, 10 relatively short levels, which is what uh, Turtles in Time has, this has five longer levels that you can see parts are kind of of, of grabbed from Turtles in Time and shortened or or mashed together into one longer section. Um, but, but it still is its own game, and I actually think that the Turtles in this and the, the characters in general, they're a little narrower. Like, they don't look quite as wide as they do on the Super Nintendo. Uh, and I think it actually plays a little bit better uh, for, for that sa- for that reason. I think the, the characters move a little better. It feels more like a Streets of Rage uh, as far as the, the way you control your character, at least to me. They do move a, a little bit quicker than what they do on the Super NES. And, and the gameplay's changed just a little bit. Um, but overall, this is very much just Turtles in Time. You know, dis- describing that, like, you know, how you were saying, like, there's just bits and pieces taken from everything. I've mentioned it before, but this this game, more than any other that we played, feels like a ROM hack. Like, somebody took Turtles in Time and just went into an editor and made their own little ROM out of it. That's exactly what this feels like. It, it They have just taken parts of Turtles in Time. They have added their own art in some ways like it's one of the weirdest things to me is just how different the art style is that they're that what they did for the genesis is completely different than the art style for turtles in time that was very much a a cartoon look to it and the art that's in this one is very like you know muscular and and almost like you know comic bookish like you know x-men or something like that uh it looks completely different from from what Turtles in Time was. And and like the the overall look of the game is a little bit just a tad bit darker. Yes. You know, it doesn't have that pop to it like Turtles in Time did. It's just a it, that's basically what they've done. And then rearranged the levels a little bit and and just kind of the story itself to to have an excuse to do this. Um the biggest problem is like this this is a very short game. And uh you know, it it's we'll get into it. But overall, it is a Turtles game. It is still very fun, but it is very much just, it, it feels like a Frankenstein's monster of a Turtles game. Yeah, it, it, the levels are longer, but they change a lot of scenes a lot more often, right? And if you play through Turtles in Time or, or any of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, even arcade games, most of the levels are, you know, oh, I'm in the sewer for this level, and then you fight a boss, and then you go, oh, I'm on the streets for this level, and then you fight a boss. And, you know, so this instead, it's like you'll go through the sewer, then you'll be on the streets, then you're back in the sewer, and then you fight a boss, and that's level one, right? They combine all this stuff together, um, but it's it's still the same bosses that you would see for the most part. There's one new boss in this, but the rest of the bosses are all pulled from, um, I don't know if it's exactly the same you know, move set and everything else is what's in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 4, but it's still very similar, right? You've got you've got the ones you'd expect. You've got Rocksteady, you've got Shredder, you've got Krang, you've got Baxter Stockman, in this case in the robot suit, not like Fly Baxter Stockman. Um, so, so it's got the characters you'd expect. It's not, you know, like, like we talked about Konami putting out games on Genesis and kind of making their own thing. 
we've talked about, you know, the Castlevania Bloodlines that came out for for the Genesis. A, a really cool game. It's got a guy with a whip and then it's got a guy with a spear. But otherwise, it's a completely new game. Like, it doesn't take, it's not taking the best hits of other Castlevanias and mashing them together. This is its own, you know, that was kind of its own creation from the start. This is not really that. This is more like the Genesis version of uh, of Mega Man, that they take stages from 1, 2, and 3 and then come up, mash them together. That's what this feels like to me. Um, that they've taken kind of the best parts of really the arcade games and then put them together into what I mean I think is a very enjoyable experience it does feel short because it's only five levels long but again the levels are longer if you watch a play of this next to a play of Turtles in Time you'll notice that the Turtles in Time levels are much faster uh, like much shorter to get to a boss than these levels are to get through all the sections of I also found this to be and I did play this single player so all my experience with this game would be by myself. I think with another person, just like in the arcade or just like playing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 4, um, it, it's much harder by yourself than with a, with someone else with you. So I had a very tough time getting far in this game on the default you know, settings. Three lives. Uh, when you continue, you continue at the start of a section, not not right where you died. Not, not when you... Uh, not died. When you continue, you start at the beginning of a section, not wherever you had lost your last life. Um, you can get more lives. It's not incredibly hard. You know, kill 100 characters, you get an extra life. But still, I didn't get... I mean, I, I did get through this, but I with the default settings and without having to worry about, you know, save states, I can only really get to, like, level 3 uh, on this. I'm not the best at brawlers, to be fair, um, but by myself. Again, with a partner, I think we could have gotten through this no problem. I don't think I had that problem with some of the other Turtles games. No, and it, it is harder. Uh, they they up the, the difficulty on this. If you just play through Turtles in Time by yourself, like, it's a breezy game. And I hate to constantly be comparing this to Turtles in Time, but, I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it, it is really just a, a generic kind of weird version of Turtles in Time, so it's hard not to. But, yeah, that game was much easier. This game ups the difficulty, and that combined with stages that are not only longer but feel longer, which is never a, a great thing for a beat-em-up. You know, the, the great thing about Turtles in Time, the arcade version and the Super NES version, is that those levels go by really fast, like you said. Like, they're, they're you know, three or four minutes, uh, especially if you got somebody else with it, you can blaze through those those levels. The only level in that game that kind of feels like it's a little bit long is the very last level in the yes. Technodrome. Mm -hmm. This one, every level feels like it is stretched out a little bit too far. And that may go along with the fact that th there's only those five levels. Technically, there's only four levels. Well, like, right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's, I mean, we'll, we'll get to the fourth level here, which was my... Uh, Unsurprisingly, did once you hear what it is, you're, you're not going to be surprised. Yeah. You're not a fan. Um, it, but yeah, that's that's really about it. And even the last stage in this one, it it really stretches it. it this game's idea of of a beat 'em up instead of just keeping you moving along, uh, you know, with with constant enemies coming at you, things like that that you can just destroy in a few minutes and, and move on. This one is just like let's dump a bunch of enemies over and over and over in the same scene, and that is a that's not great to do in a beat 'em up. Uh, it, it, you know, a lot of those very generic beat em ups from the Super NES and Genesis era come to mind, you know, where it's, you're not, it just seems like you're never really moving along. It's, it's more like <laughs> just waves of enemies coming at you on one screen. You finally get through with those, you can move a little bit forward and now you're doing it all over again. And it, it's, it just doesn't flow as well. And that, that was a thing with this one for me. It, it just like, it's still fun. It's still that style of gameplay. But it's it's just doing it over and over and over and over a lot more than just 
seeing the variety that the game actually has. I don't think it has some of the variety that that the some of the other Turtles games have. Like it's no, not, no, not it. It doesn't because of the limit of five levels. You've also only got really five bosses. I mean, six if you count the fact that there is Krang and Shredder, right? But there's really only five bosses, and you know, just Turtles in Time, you would have had ten, right? At least plus plus the extra, so probably eleven or so. I mean, like there was, it doesn't have the variety of Turtles in Time, which again, I think I think it's fair to compare it because this really is the Genesis version of that game. Sure, it's a different game. It has a different name because it is different enough, but it's still basically that's why they don't have Hyperstone Heist on the Super Nintendo as well, right? They didn't bother. There's no need. This is basically the Genesis version of, uh, of Turtles in Time. But th th there's a couple differences mechanically, I guess, from this to the arcade game or Turtles in Time for the Super Nintendo. First off, uh, you cannot throw enemies into the screen. That was something I really liked in Turtles in Time, the fact that you could, you know, when you throw enemies, instead of just throwing them back and forth, you could throw them into the screen, which, in fact, is a mechanic for a boss fight in, in that game. Uh, this does not have that at all. Instead, you still throw them. You still do the same grapple, but it slams them left and right, meaning they can be a good weapon against other enemies, but you don't get to see that really cool effect of throwing a character into the monitor, which I always thought was cool, no matter how many hundreds of times you do it in a game of TMNT. Uh, and the other big thing, and I don't know quite why this happened, because the Super Nintendo has four buttons. I mean, it has actually more if you can include the controller buttons and select and stuff, but it had, you know, ABXY. The Genesis on a three-button controller, which is what this used, only had three, uh, yet this has an extra button than that version. Instead of just an attack and a jump button, you also have a dash button. You do not hit twice to dash like you do on the Super Nintendo or in the arcade. Instead, you actually have a dash button, which in some ways I think is actually great. Uh, because if you're trying to dash around, you don't have to worry about like, oh, I didn't double dash properly, or, or I'm in the middle of something, so I'm not hitting it at the right time because I'm doing something else. Instead, you just hit a button, it's very clear you're dashing. I'm fine with that. But I did think it was weird that they added that to a game that has less buttons on the controller than its, compa than its uh, comparison game on the Super Nintendo. I think putting, putting the dash on the button also goes a long way in slowing this game down, because like in Turtles, you know, on the Super NES in the arcade, like you would actually just start running after you just you were pressing forward for a second and that would lead into you know you doing the shoulder bash to the enemies in front of you it was like i said constantly moving you forward um or trying to get you to move forward and this one putting it just on a button like i had to actually remember to use it um you know at some point i was like oh yeah i actually have a dash that i can use um but you know i think it, it worked a little bit better when it was just kind of automatic, you know, it definitely sped the game up a little bit more. It, I didn't mind it because, again, I, I while I have played, and I, I mean, I did play a little bit of Teenage Mutant Turtles 4 right before this for comparison's sake, I, I don't play this that game enough that a dash button is going to throw me off. I mean, I know that a lot of other games also use that double double press to dash. Um, it, it didn't bother me, but I think if I would be going and expecting something like uh, exactly what I played on the Super Nintendo or in the arcade, I might be a little thrown off by it. So, but I just I thought it was a weird change because it doesn't seem to need to be there. They could have easily still done hit twice to the right to run. That's what they do in Streets of Rage, another Genesis game. Like, there's really no reason to have it, but it's there. I guess if that, if you're looking for reasons for it's different, that's it. Uh, otherwise, it plays almost exactly the same. Uh, it's a side-scrolling brawler, so you're moving your characters around the screen like you would in a Final Fight or something similar. Uh, the A button attacks, the B button jumps. If you hit A and B at the same time, you do a super move. Uh, your super move will use up two points of your health bar. You get health back by eating pizza. There's also the, the pizza that looks like a bomb that makes you do kind of like a spin attack all around the screen, doing damage to everyone that you touch. Uh, when you find one of those, it's the best thing ever because it makes you <laughs> invincible for a minute and basically unstoppable. Um, but, I mean, it's, it's as... I don't want to say bare bones because it's still fun, but it is pretty much exactly what you think it is. Like, there's nothing extra here. There's no 
extra modes. There's two players only. It's not like it has some uh, you know way to, to split off and have more control, more players. Or there's no extra characters other than the turtles. You just have the turtles. Um, it is it is a bare bones turtles game, but it's on the Genesis and it plays really well actually for a turtles game. I think it still plays like you expect it to. And the sound uh, we haven't really mentioned it, and I know we say this now more often than not for Genesis games, and not just because we're trying to pander to our Genesis audience, but this still sounds good. I was surprised at how close this sounds to the arcade soundtrack. You know what a Turtles game doesn't or shouldn't have in it, though? A boss rush. <laughs> and this yeah. game has a boss rush in it. On the fourth level. Yeah. It, it, and like that, that means it was, that... <laughs> oh, it's ahead. so out of place. Well, it's, it's out of place, and it makes it... You know, we, you kind of joke that it really only has four levels, and it really does. So you have... The first three levels are New York City, uh, and at the end of that, that, which has sewer sections and city sections, uh, at the end of that, you fight Leatherhead, the, the giant alligator. Uh, it, fine. I, I thought that was a cool level. It's just fine. Um, the second level is the mysterious ghost ship, uh, which is, uh, you know, you're walking first through some caves, then on this ghost ship, and then back into some caves again, and then you get to fight Rocksteady. Again, a staple of turtles, totally fine. Um, the... the the mysterious ghost ship appears to be very similar to like the pirate levels of uh, of Teenage Mutant Ninja yeah. Four, um, but again, it take, you're not going through time, so instead it's a ghost ship. I I don't know why you need a ghost ship to get to Shredder, but it's fine. It's you don't need logic. It's a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles beat up game. You could be anywhere. You could be at a circus. I don't care. It all made sense to me. It was fine. Uh, the third level is Shredder's hideout. It's a very um, kind of Asian themed level. Uh, it's you know like a, like a dojo kind of thing. Uh, totally fine. At the end of that is where you fight the boss that is unique to this game, Tatsu, who's kind of just like another big ninja guy that works for Shredder. I'm pretty sure he was in the cartoon. He might have been in the movie. Uh, either way, he's he's just a big guy. He has other ninjas around him, and and it's it, it's a fine fight. But he's not in Teenage Mutant Turtles Four. He's only in this game. Uh, level four is really a. I hate to even call it a level, because you're right, it's a boss rush, there's not really anything before it, you just start the level out, and you fight the same three bosses you just played, in that same order, and then you fight Baxter Stockman in a robot suit, and then the level ends. There's nothing else to this level, it barely counts as a level. Uh, the only benefit is that, because it is its own separate level, uh, you, you don't have to worry about if you die after this point, and continue, you don't have to do this boss rush again. It's gone. Thank you, move on, go to the last level. Yeah, and it's, it's just like... I remember when I, when I got to this level, I was just like, "Oh my! Like we just we just doing this? I just fought these guys. Yeah. Like, you know, it's <laughs> it's not like you're fighting anybody new. It's literally just the the first three bosses that you got done fighting, and, and you're just doing it over again. And you know, then then you move on to like the Technodrome, which is the final level that just kind of goes on forever. But really, only stages three and five, they're the only ones that actually have new. They're, they're new levels, like new art, new. It's not anything recycled from Turtles in Time. Yeah. So, like, that's cool, and I wish this game had more of that. Because, like you were talking about with Bloodli uh, Bloodlines, that's its own game. Nothing came out of, you know, Castlevania on Super NES. And even, uh, like I mentioned, Tournament Fighters, that was a completely different game. It was horrible, but it was a completely <laughs> different game. Um, but this one, it, it just... I wish it would have been its own game more. Like, those, the art and stuff that they used... Uh, for level three and five are pretty cool. Like, you know, do that. It just seems like this was a, a quick kind of like turnaround game. Like we got it, you know, we, we put the, the big game out on the Super NES and for whatever reason, we can't, we don't want to put it on the Genesis. I don't know if um, Nintendo had some weird agreement or something like that where they couldn't just put the same fucking game on the Genesis because they never did that. You know, Contra, nothing. They They always had a different game on the Genesis. And everyone wanted Turtles in Time on the Genesis, but this is what we got. And it it feels 
off. You know, it doesn't feel like they put anywhere near as much effort into this one as they did their other Genesis games. Yeah, but at the same time, I guess with this style of game, other than coming up with new levels for the graphics, right? Like or new, new graphics for the levels and having unique levels, you also don't want to stray too far from the formula, right? If you want, if you don't have a Super Nintendo and you want something that's similar to the arcade games, this is really close. I mean, I don't think it's it's a bad game. Even just say, oh yeah, I only I've only played the arcade. I'd even try the Super Nintendo one because I don't know one with the Super Nintendo, so I don't have to play this Genesis one. It's just it doesn't have the same uh, extra amount of effort that you could see that went into to Castlevania Contra. Even like what Rocket Knight Adventures that we talked about, uh, it, it, any of the the. Um, Sunset Riders, like all the games we talked about, even those had their own differences on the consoles. And so this this is more like Sunset Riders, where it felt like the Genesis version was not quite up to par with the Super Nintendo. But if you didn't have a Super Nintendo, at least you got a version of the game that was still quite good. Yeah, and I actually like uh, Sunset Riders, I think, a little bit more on Genesis for some reason. I don't know. I, I ended up printing that several times on there. But, um, man, if I was... This you're right. This is a perfectly serviceable turtles game for anyone that was on the Genesis. It's still fun. There's still you know definitely co-op. There's a lot of fun to be had. Um, but man, I you know even back then, like if I'd have got this and and saw Turtles in Time on the Super NES <clears throat> to see what they were getting, I'd be like, man, that's that's kind of the game I want over there. This is still cool, but you know, man, I want to play that one. Well, I, 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 that was my thought with this. Uh, this. So this is available on the Cowabunga collection as well that just came out recently, or I guess a couple years ago. But that has all the NES Turtles, and it has Turtles in Time 4, and it, or it has Teenage Mutant Turtles 4 Turtles in Time, and it has this, and it has the Termin Fighters, if for whatever God's reason you want to play that. But, but this is a game where I think it's cool that it's on the collection, but I can't see ever picking it over playing Turtles in Time uh, on the Super Nintendo, like the, the, there's nothing that this does other than that that uh, you know absolutely incredible dash button that you can't get on the the Super Nintendo. And in fact, because the levels are shorter and it, you'll get to fight more bosses and you get to see a little more. I, I I mean, this is it's an inferior version of the same kind of game. I still think it's good. I'm glad it's on the collection. I'm sure there are people who played this first and would argue with us that no, this is actually a better game because it has you know like we talked about it kind of controls a little bit better it does look a little darker which i think actually works to its favor it's got these unique levels that make it neat maybe there are big tattoo fans out there i don't really know but it's it's one of the games that i was just when it was included in the collection and then i finally played it now i'm like i don't know if it needed to be on the collection i mean it's i'm glad that it's there for the sake of being complete but it's not if you played a ton of tmnt4 and then went to this you'd you'd say the same things we're playing right now which is like this sure feels like they took a lot of parts for that game and mashed it together and then put this tattoo level in the middle yeah and just, you know, it's it's fine. Again, it's ain't nothing wrong with it. And, you know, it's it's neat to check out on that collection, you know, if you never got to play it and you just want to see the differences like I did. Um, you know, it's cool for that. And, you know, a, a neat little side thing to go through if, if you haven't played through the entire thing. It's it's cool. It's a cool little game. But, yeah, if you're, you know, if, to me, Turtles in Time is the definitive console Turtles game. I've played through it probably hundreds of times at this point during my entire life. And it's, uh, it, it is, that is the Turtles game. But this one just kind of, it, it kind of just feels like a, I, uh, you know, I, I hate to throw out low effort, but it just doesn't, doesn't come off to me as like Konami spent as much time on this as they could have. Like they could have made a really special Turtles game 
and what we got is just a just a yeah you know <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll rent it if it's there it is it is a straight c effort right it does exactly what it needs to do it feels yeah. good it, it plays just fine like we said it sounds for not even for a genesis game it sounds like the arcade like i had no problem with the sound in this i had a great time playing it but i just can't see intentionally picking it out again unless you have that that nostalgia for it. it was your turtles game you played a bunch with your brother whatever the situation is over almost anything else on that collection um, even the nintendo games because i do have the nostalgic touch for the nintendo games i go back and play those before i play this again because again i don't think this delivers uh as much as as the the super nintendo counterpart which is a shame um but it is another example though of, of at least you know all those Konami games on the Genesis we talked about when we talked about Bloodlines and some other games. I never got a chance to play them, so I'm thrilled we're playing them now because there are a bunch of really neat choices. Even this has like that tattoo level. It has the slightly different art style. It has, it has a lot of little different things. That it's an interesting choice. I'm glad I saw it. Uh, but unlike most of the other games we just mentioned, I don't know if I necessarily would recommend this to hunt it down. You know, it's sure you can play it on the Cowabunga Collection, so why not? You played for all the other games, why not play this? But this is not really a need to play uh, on, on as a Turtles game. It's a need to play Genesis game, I think, but I don't think it's a need to play Turtles game. And there's there's far better beat 'em ups on the Genesis, you yeah, know, from that's the, true. Streets of Rage and stuff like that. Uh, it's this is for what it is. It's a Turtles game on the Genesis, but you you've got better options elsewhere. Um, and yeah, it's it's if if you got a Genesis collection, go in a classic Genesis collection. Um, I think I don't think it's too expensive, you know, as far as to just go out and buy the cartridge. Um, so it's it's worth picking up, but I I think it's definitely one of Konami's lesser games on the Genesis. There are so many other games that that they really did a, a fantastic job on, and this one just isn't in the same league. our thoughts on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the Hyperstone Heist for the Sega Genesis. It, again, not a bad game, but maybe not the best Turtles game you're going to find. Um, but if you are a Genesis diehard and you had this as a kid, I'm sure that you'd love to visit again. It, it is a totally serviceable Turtles game. Uh, now, we're not going to do what we do on every episode. Normally, on every episode, we tell you, go to Retrovading.net. And there, past all the links to our social media and all the episodes for this and our YouTube channel and everything else exciting, there is a question form. And you can send in any question you have on that question form, and we'll answer on the show, but not like we're going to do today. Uh, because Billy is not here, and because our next episode that we're going to finish off 2023 with is nothing but answering as much, if not all, of that mailbag along with our thoughts on gaming uh, uh, over this past year for the beginning of it. Uh, we are not going to talk about mail today, but if you have questions, get them in over the next week. We're going to try to record this next one very, very soon uh, so that we can have it out right before Christmas. So on your, your drive to grandma's or on a flight you don't want to be on, or if you're just stuck at work, you'll have something to do as we answer all the questions we've not gotten around to answer this year to try to start 2024 with a clean mailbag. But what I do want to talk about, since we're talking about Genesis games, we're talking about... Uh, you know, kind of retro re-releases with things like the, the Cowabunga Collection. I know, I don't normally watch gaming, uh, the, what, the Game Awards, whatever that was called, the most recent game game event. I'm sure everyone else out there is screaming because they did watch it. I don't normally care about that. I just like to go on after the fact and see what cool trailers and stuff were announced. But I think the only thing I heard this time that really made me excited was the Sega announcement. Did you see that? Yes, I did. And that was maybe the most unexpected thing that I've seen in a long time. 
Um, because, you know, if, if anybody watches the Game Awards, you know, it's basically just uh, a half-assed awards show with a whole bunch of trailers on it. And with the announcement that E3 is no more, like, this is kind of just the replacement to E3 for me anyway. You know, it's obviously not a big trade show, but I watched E3 for several days just to get those trailers, you know, from the different big shows like Sony and Microsoft and Nintendo. Um, and this is kind of that now. And one of the trailers that came on was, uh, you know, it was like a live action thing. Like, you know, it was this guy and this girl, they were just kind of sitting around and they decided to play some video games. And, you know, it's it like, all right, was it? Then some Sega stuff started showing up and then it switched over and then suddenly fucking Jet Set Radio was, <laughs> was on like a, a very nice looking version of Jet Set Radio. And I was like, oh my fucking God, they remade Jet Set. Uh, and then... What was it? Golden Axe showed up, yep. and and um, Shinobi, like a two D Shinobi the, game. A two D like uh, artistically looks very interesting. Shinobi, like it yeah, looks, looks really like nice. Hand, yeah, like a comic book hand drawn Shinobi game, and then fucking Crazy Taxi out of nowhere. Like I, it, I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And I guess these are the brand new things, the games that are in currently in development uh, that that Sega's finally bringing back. And they don't look like they're reimaginings of the games, right? Like there has been a, a more recent. I mean, Streets of Rage Four is great, but it was not. It was not a Sega game. Uh, it was. It was put out, and it's excellent. But it's kind of like just Streets of Rage Two with extra stuff thrown. There's gonna be a new Streets of Rage, a new Golden Axe, like you mentioned, the new Jet Set Radio. I know there's a, a very similar game that has come out recently. It looks very nice. Uh, but but I'm excited to see a new Jet Set Radio. Crazy Taxi. I I would. Give it a shot, I guess. We did episodes on half of these games, in fact. Uh, and, and I would be very excited to see what they do with a Crazy Taxi, although that's not one I <laughs> jumped out of my seat for. But that new Shinobi looks nice. And then after that, Sega's been on other, other things saying that it's, that's kind of just the start of what they're going to do. They're going to take a bunch of their classic properties and put out new games. But again, they are in the classic style. Yes, they look nicer, but it's the same kind of gameplay. The, the, what I was talking about with, the, uh, with Golden Axe is like they put out... I can't remember the name, Golden Axe Riders or something? Like, it was a totally different kind of game in the Golden Axe world. They've tried 3D reimaginings of a lot of these things, and they're never as good. Um, I'm excited to see what looks like, you know, kind of classic retro remakes in, in these games. I'm very excited to see what they're going to do with it, because it's Sega doing it themselves. It's not just saying, oh, yeah, yeah, we licensed this out, and someone else is going to do it. I'm still, sure there is still some of that, but they're really pushing it as, like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go back to the things that made us massively successful with our consoles. And we're going to do that again. I'm very excited to see what they do with this. I, it's about time. I mean, what what's Sega been doing? Sonic. Yeah. That's basically Lots been of Sonic. And they are, you know, they've got all of these IPs that they can use that everyone would love to see. And, you know, besides Streets of Rage, you know, and that was very successful for them. Uh, it may be, and maybe that was the thing that, that pushed this forward where they were like, you know, just threw that out there. To let, let's test the waters and see how much nostalgia people still have for these these IPs. And, you know, Streets of Rage was the big one besides Sonic, and now these other ones are coming. And was was Streets of Rage, like, one announced in this one, too? Like a 3D Streets of Rage, or am I just imagining things? No, there was a new Streets of Rage. I don't know if it was 3D, but it was definitely a new Streets of Rage was listed. Um, and, then, okay. and then afterwards, they've they've been, like, renewing copyrights on things. So they also have Kid Chameleon. Uh, outrun oh, a bunch of like the classic Sega things are going to bring out again. Uh, hey, you know what? I'd love to see what they're going to do. Some of my favorite games that we've covered have been games that were re-releases or remasters, uh, reimaginings, uh, but it was the classic style. Like when we redid uh, uh, Dragon's Trap, Wonder Boy 3, 
Uh, and then they put out the like fully new one that's the same game underneath it. But if you hit select, you can go back and forth between new music with new amazing cartoony graphics and the um, amazing original graphics from the Sega Master System. I mean, it's all I love that stuff. So the fact that Sega is going to go harder into that, that's that's right up my alley. And I'm pretty sure if you like this podcast, it's probably something you also enjoy very much. I mean, as soon as they announce decap attack for current gen consoles, <laughs> I, I will just fall fall over. But yeah, I, I it's it's been years that I've been saying like just bring some of these back, just try one of them to see if you know anybody would want this. Like Jet Jet Set would be an amazing game to bring out. You know, you mentioned that one that was kind of the, you know, the, it was um, uh, you know, fuck, I can't remember the, the name the, of it. The non Jet Set Radio. Yeah, the non Jet Set Radio, but obviously it, it is inspired by Jet Set Radio. So, um, that's cool. Oh, bomb, bomb, but, rush, cyberfunk. Or something like that. Yeah, there we go. All right, I knew it was some crazy ass name, but um, yeah, but seeing, I, I want to see the, the original Jet Set, and that's what I got, and I was I was super excited even just for that, and then it just kept rolling with even more. It's like finally, finally Sega. I don't know if these are gonna be cheap ass, you know, sh- shitty old like 360 arcade games or something like that, but hell, I would take those at this point. That's how starved I am for old Sega games. Well, and, and it also depends on the price, right? If they put all these things out, Jet Set Radio aside, for like 50 bucks each, I don't know how much I'm going to jump for a $50, you know, version of a, of a very artistic Shinobi. I have to see how long it is, see how good it is. I've paid 50 bucks for games like that, but it's the rare, the rare things like Metroid, the new Metroid I paid full price for, and I have no regrets. I think it was amazing. But mm, if it wasn't the Metroid name, if it was just another 2D side-scroller with a, a different... Uh, IP over the top of it, what I have thought it was worth $50, I don't know. And, and that's kind of how my thoughts are on these. I think they have to either come out as collections or at, at a reduced price if you're going to be putting out um, just, you know, yeah, this is Streets of Rage with newer graphics. That's why Streets of Rage 4 was great. It also wasn't $50. I think it was 25 and it was well worth every one of those dollars. So we'll see. We'll see what Sega's doing. I'm very excited for it. Um, I might eat my words and talk about how much I paid $50 for all those games and loved it. So we will see what they put out. Um, but this episode is uh, our episode is over. So if you've been enjoying listening to us talk about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Hyperstone Heist and you know now you want to go about the rest of your day, I guess feel free. But I think if you liked that and you liked the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and you were hoping that we were going to do more movie reviews, have I got a treat for you. Uh, after this, so we're going we're gonna to end this out with some more music from this game. Uh, and then I'm going to feed into, I've been working on another podcast uh, with some friends of mine called Movie Smash. I've talked about it on the Discord. I think I mentioned on the podcast once or twice. But we reviewed the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Uh, it was it was a couple of months ago. We Actually, last month we put it out. Uh, so if you've been following that feed, I guess you've already heard this. But if you haven't and you wanted to think, I wonder if Jeremy would be any good talking about movies, uh, you could check out the thing we're going to put on right now. So immediately after the end music for this movie, I'm going to be playing the full episode of the Movie Smash uh, episode look at the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie from 1990. So enjoy that. And it's not over. If you love the Turtles enough where you're like, okay, I listened to the Hyperstone Heist. I'm going to stay around and listen to this movie review. And you're one of our patrons or would think about being one of our patrons. Before our next patron episode, there will be a episode that I'm putting up. I also guested on the One Rad Podcast Christmas Extravaganza this year, uh, where we talked about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles television live action Christmas special 
It is it is quite the episode. So that will be on our bonus feed for our patrons. Uh, so we look forward to that coming out. Uh, not right now, but before our next bonus episode, which will be out in December. And I have no idea what that's going to be about on. But again, thank you for all your support this year. Our next episode will be answering all the questions we have not had time to get to. And enjoy a free episode of Movie Smash. Welcome to Movie Smash, the podcast that looks at comic book movies that you may or may not remember. If you're the type of person who enjoys talking about hidden gems or just like to tear old movies apart, this is the place for you. And with that, let's get started. I'm your host, Chris Roberts. I'm the founder of Off Panel Creations. Uh, we're a furniture company that likes to take your hobbies or your nerd culture and sort of infuse that with furniture, be a comic book cabinet or a board game table or just anything along those lines. Today I've got with me uh, Jeremy Parmentier. Hi, I'm Jeremy Parmentier. I'm also of the Retrovaniacs podcast and the sexiest turtle. <laughs> I'm Fergal Amayo. I'm actually the roughest, toughest turtle. I would say Raph. Uh, I'm also the owner of Gotham Nice Comics out of Livonia, Michigan. Our goal is to reimagine the comic shopping experience, create a place where dope just meets awesome, and service is number one. I cannot wait to be part of the show. So if I'm the only one that did not introduce himself as a turtle, does that make me Splinter or Rocksteady? <laughs> uh, well, for this movie, I will have to go with Splinter. There you go. So speaking of that, our movie tonight is, or today, I guess, depends on when you're listening to this, is the 1990s film Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, not to be confused with multiple movies that came out after this. Um, long list of stars, Judith Hogue, Brian Tachi, James Siata. Wow, there's a long list. I'm just not going to be able to read them all. This Before you get jump into the movie and what's this all about, guys, did you have any experience with this movie at all when it first came out? Oh, I saw it in the theaters. I mean, it's uh, you know, I was I was laughing with someone after I watched this movie. I actually had two copies of the first Turtles book. Uh, one was wrapped up in my back pocket and I lost, and the other one got burnt up in a fire. And I was like, "Wow, this brought back memories and a lot of lost money." 
Yeah, I definitely saw this in the theater. This was, I mean, at the time frame, this was after the show was out. Uh, I knew it was based on a comic, but I hadn't read the comics at that time. But I loved, you know, everybody loved the Turtles. I loved the, the, the TV show. I loved the comics later on when I read them. I, le- I, read, I liked the newer comics that were more like the TV show and all the video games, much more of my style. But we played all those, uh, including one of the best arcade games ever made, uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles arcade game. Yeah, Jeremy, I'm with you on this one. I really was not too familiar with the comics, um, except for that was it's a parody or based off of Daredevil. I just knew it from the 80s cartoon. I knew it from the video game, that impossible video game. But yeah, that was pretty much my experience with the whole thing and that they love pizza. So, But I did see this in theaters, and it was definitely, we'll get more on that a little bit later, but it was definitely a different experience than what I was initially expecting when I went into that. A hundred percent. So... Why don't we talk a little about the origins of this and talk about the turtle. So Fergal, do you have any little history you can share with us about this thing? Yes. I mean, this is a, uh, obviously Kevin Eastman, Peter Yard, you know, 1986, they bring out these movies, uh, excuse me, these comics, um, get them published locally, uh, small company they founded. Um, and it just, you know, it's amazing since these comics have come out, how many spinoffs, how many reemergences, how many opportunities these books have come out. I mean, th- this uh, this book has become kind of a cultural phenomenon akin to uh, like The Simpsons. Quick fun fact. I'm sorry. Quick fun fact. Uh, Kevin Eastman was a garbage man on this movie. <laughs> that That's actually an interesting, interesting thing about this movie, too, because there are we'll get into more a little bit about it later. There are a ton of cameos and a ton of characters playing multiple parts when it comes to this thing. So speaking about what this movie is about, this, if you have not seen it, this is the, I wouldn't quite say origin story of the Ninja Turtles, um, but it is a telling of their first appearance to the public, if you would. Uh, It's them coming out of the sewers to protect New York from a gang of criminals that they've never encountered before uh, called the Foot. But at the time when they're emerging, nobody knows who they are. They have no idea who this gang is and why they're appearing and what all this crime is about. So what first off going into it, guys, obviously the Ninja Turtles are very iconic characters. What were your what are your thoughts about how they were portrayed on screen? Dark, but really good. I think and you mentioned the origin story, not really. It actually is a comic accurate origin story. Um, that's what made this unique. That this is one of the uh, interesting movies there that, you know, the the uh, little rat was mimicking the, uh, the the master's moves and and then just, you know, combination of TCRI, the ooze, all that kind of created the turtles, but it was it, the shredder, the other uh, the other guy I cannot remember his name. That was actually pretty comic accurate. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely different from the TV show. As the TV show, as I recall, Splinter was a human that turned into like a mutant rat uh, that was a ninja master. So this was, you know, more accurate to the comic. But the other, the other thing I noticed with this, for it was darker than the TV show, but it still wasn't as dark as what the comics would be, you know, overall. Like it still had goofy one-liners. It still had stuff that if you were a kid and you, well, I was at the time, and went to go see this, being a fan of the TV show, there were still all these little like nods to what the TV show turtles were. Yeah, it was. See, I, when I went to go see this movie as a kid, I was expecting the cartoon. I was not expecting what we got. And love what we got, by the way. I'm not bashing for that whatsoever. But there are definitely some core changes on how they were portrayed. Like April O'Neil. She was not wearing her, her, her what's her, yellow jumpsuit, I guess, uh, I guess it's from the comics, from the cartoon, rather. And Casey Jones took off his mask at the very beginning of the movie and never put it back on. He did, but she was wearing a yellow coat. She did. And, uh... 
I guess it was sort of a callback or say, hey, look, it, yellow does exist in this world, but it's a little too bright for what we're trying to portray for this. <laughs> yes. So now, unlike other movies we've been watching, there is no CGI in this. This is all practical effects. How do you guys feel about that? I mean, I like that. I, I like that it's like these, the costumes actually look really good. I was worried that these would not have aged as well as they did in my mind because I haven't seen this movie in forever. I've seen the sequels and I've seen other things that have come out since then, but I haven't watched the original Turtles movie in, in years. I've definitely seen it since it first came out, but not in recent memory. So I, I wasn't sure if the suits would look as good as I recall, but I think that the suits actually look really good. I'm glad they went with practical effects for most of it. The, the, the suits move well, so you can actually do some, some Kung Fu moves. I mean, if, for someone who doesn't know anything about Kung Fu, they looked good at least. It didn't look stiff and weird. It, it looked good. So I, I was pretty impressed with the level of uh, uh, that the suits in general would be the main effect and, and the other. Uh, in fact, the only thing I thought that didn't look great was, was Splinter, and even he didn't look terrible, but he was probably the worst-looking thing in the movie, which is not bad either. I actually agree. I, I, I think that, you know, when you think about the characters they had playing the martial arts moves, because there were these costumes were like real and not painted on, the moves felt more real. The, the fighting felt more real. The way they interacted with one another felt more real. I think you get closer. Um, you know, you couldn't do a lot of crazy face movements with those kind of masks. But other than Splinter, which they tried really hard to get all the face moves, it kind of looked like a bad Chuck E. Cheese player, but pretty damn good. <laughs> he really did. I kind of was waiting for him for the banjo, but um, the advice was amazing. Um, and I thought the way he spoke and the way he acted, um, I thought they did a really good job. Actually, as cheesy as it was, I thought the origin when they showed the little rat, even though we knew it was fake, I thought that was pretty damn cool. Now, these effects, uh, you guys may or may not know this, but this was the last movie that Jim Henson worked on before he, before he passed away. So, and he actually felt that this movie is a little darker than what he, what he was expecting. But yeah, this was his, these practical effects came from the Muppets. And there was so much. Which actually explains a whole lot. Yeah. There, there was so, there was so much um, machinery inside the mask of the turtles. Uh, the scene where I think it's Raphael falls into a, uh, a trash can. Uh, and he's like grabbing his face when he's sitting back up again. That's actually the stunt double grabbing his face because he broke his nose from hitting his head too hard inside <laughs> that mask. Wow. That would make sense. That's Jim Henson. I mean, that, that actually explains, I think, to Jeremy's point, why the movie held up so well. Dark Crystal holds up well. It doesn't matter how far you see it, it holds up well. This movie holds up well. And then you add the right characters. That's like that Ernie Reyes. You put guys like that, um, Corey Feldman, um, just people who can get the voice right. Um, and it's interesting because just the other night I watched the newest Turtles movie and I thought that was dope. But it, it dope in the way that it's a new generation of that first movie. But unlike Dark Crystal, this movie was actually loved when it first came out. Dark Crystal was hated when that movie first came out, came on the scene. In fact, this movie up until Blair Witch was the number one independent film of its time. No movie surpassed it out of the independent studios until the Blair Witch came out. Two hundred two million on a thirteen million dollar budget. God, that is a good return on investment. <laughs> <laughs> That's an ROI I would love to see. So, plot wise, guys, how do you feel about the plot? Like I said, this is kind of an origin story, not really. How do you guys feel about the plot? 
So I liked I liked that the gang was realistic. Uh, I thought for this for, for being a, like a you know realistic turtles movie, which is ridiculous to say, but a realistic turtles movie. Um, I liked that, that the gang was essentially just doing like street crimes. Yeah, they were stealing things, but there was no like. You know, in the cartoon, there would have been some overarching massive scheme that would have been like, and I'm building a giant robot and other stuff. And, and I don't want to say the sequels do or don't do that. But the, the first one really is a very down to earth um, kind of crime plot that the turtles stop, which makes it so that uh, it was more believable. Again, you're watching four giant turtles uh, n- ninja fight people. So it's not it's not too believable, but it still worked. It didn't feel like this over the top crazy action thing that some of the later movies definitely do. Agreed. Agree. Again, I'm, I don't know what's going on. Jeremy, we're agreeing on everything. I completely agree. I think it was a really well-grounded movie. Uh, the Foot Clan, I like that they pulled them out of the streets. It wasn't like some feudal clan that came over from Japan. If you guys ever watched this movie with Jason Statham and Jet Li called War, it is so over the top. You know, They just bring in all these massive assassins. This was just regular street kids that wanted to be part of a family and that these two really bad guys took advantage of that. And you had a really believable second in command, like that Tetsuo guy. It's an interesting because if you watch some of the later movies, true martial arts movies, the ones that go from Japan or excuse me, from China, you'll see this guy in those movies. Um, and it's just he, he played him well. Yeah. And we've had this conversation before about sort of different kind of superhero movies. And this is definitely that sort of grounded no crazy cosmic powers. I think Jeremy used the phrase one time, punching a planet. <laughs> yeah, There's none yeah. of that in this. This is definitely, it's easy to understand. It's easy to follow. Um, but I mean, I do miss my rock steady and bebop. Well, that, that was as a kid, my biggest complaint, right? When we left the movie theater, we were all very sad that there wasn't bebop and rock steady. Cause that was the biggest, like as a kid, those were like the two bad guys. Sure, there was there was Shredder, but he was almost like the mastermind that came in every once in a while. But really, they would fight Bebop and Rocksteady to do full on fights. So I expected that, and mm-hmm. uh, and it wasn't there. But I watching it now, I'm glad. I'm glad it's not there because instead, I thought it made the turtles more um, because they were even able to be uh, bested by you know a, a large number of regular gang members. Like it wasn't like they were this you know superhero ninja team that would like, you know, throw their sword to the side and knock out six guys like they would in the cartoons. It works in cartoon format, but it's goofy in, in movies when that happens. So I like that, uh, that kept them more grounded, not having these like super mutants to fight against. Yeah. And I think that the tattoo, I think that, that, you know, Shredder played a very good martial artist. I think he, you know, he really showed that he could fight them. Um, and I think that makes the movie, again, there are so many iterations. So we eventually do get Bebop and Roxanne. I think they did good, but CGI can be, you know, they, I don't think they would have looked good without CGI. And I honestly think the movie would have gone way, way over budget to try to add those guys in real, real costume. If I'm not mistaken, even though 13 million, that's a lot of money for that time. Yeah, it's the, like say it was. There are boys. I, I don't know what the numbers were, but Batman came out pretty earlier in the move, earlier in the seasons, um, or in the earlier years rather. But 13 million, it's actually it's not big of a budget for a movie. I mean, they pulled it off. Uh, but anyway, I, I do want to talk tonally about this movie. I do want to spend some time on that tonally. How did you guys feel about this thing? I thought it captured the right tone. I thought that the kid was an interesting humanization piece. I like that. I like that we had just kind of, we followed a kid inside of the story, gave you another arm to follow, and it was not that difficult to kind of follow up. And it allowed for like the origin story and some of the other pieces that we might not have gotten. Um, I love the old farmhouse. I'd forgotten how cool that scene was. 
I had forgotten how all of that was so dope. And then the uh, Casey Jones, I had forgotten how dope he was. Elias Cotillez, man, he's gotten older, but back in those days, that guy had something going on. I wish I had the long hair. I like the tone now because it is darker. As a kid, I do remember thinking that this was not as much fun as I thought it would be. Um, but again, I don't think necessarily we should review movies for what a 13-year-old thinks about them. But uh, <laughs> but now I do like the way that it felt, the way that it did. It, it had this very bleak tone for a lot of it, right? It's, it's that dirty, filthy New York that you see in a lot of movies from the 80s that's right here in it. I, I like the fact that the Turtles could just walk through the city with bad trench coats and hats because New York's so messed up that no one would notice it. Like, I thought that was really cool. Uh, it, I think the tone fit, but again, when I went in younger, only watching the cartoon, I was a little surprised at how dark it was. See, it's funny. I think you're right, Jeremy. Like, as a kid, I did not understand the tone. It didn't feel right. And, uh, well, parts of it did. Parts of it didn't. I've watched this movie three times in the past week, getting ready for this show. And I was able to finally put my finger on it just recently. Totally, I feel like it's it's sort of a mashing of two styles. Um, and I have a, a sort of pet theory about that. But So it feels like, like I said, Batman came out in 1989. No, sorry, just before this. Um, and totally, it felt, feels like that a lot, right? New York or Gotham. Uh, dark, dingy. You could, as you just put it, Jeremy, you could walk around and be a turtle in a trench coat and no one's going to notice you, right? And they did sort of a good job in the sort of an 80s style, because this movie was made during the 80s, even though it came out in 1990, where at the beginning there's that kind of like montage with a news uh, voiceover talking about how crime's going up. And it's a little wacky at times because crime would just sort of happen around people. TVs would just disappear when you turn your back. Um, and then later on, even though it's got a darkness to it, even though it's like, in the sewers, there's a lot of shadows, which was probably done for the practical effects purposes, so we couldn't see all the strings, if you would. But it kind of like felt like, and it, uh, follow me on this, guys, like uh, 48 Hours, an Eddie Murphy movie, <laughs> sort of jammed in there with a little bit of wackiness. I think you have an interesting analysis. I, I think the, the darkness was attributed to the fact that they, you know, up until that point, you guys hit on a point that, pretty much every kid at that point was talking about was where was the uh where's the bebop where's the rock steady where's the overarching plans the ridiculous ludicrousness this movie was a thank you to kevin eastman and Pete art just that simple like these guys created a book that was not kid i mean it, it picked up in kid and it translated well but it was a pretty dark comic book. That's why Lost Ronin is picking up such speed now, because they're going back to those roots of what it was when you first read it, which is what attracted to you when you were a kid. So one of the reasons I, I, I sort of felt, I sort of noticed that, so I actually decided to do a little uh, diving into that. The original writer, the, the original uh, director of this movie went into this wanting to make it just like you said, Virgil, dark, go back to, back to their roots, um, just sort of, ride the wave of the good feeling of the IP for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the cartoon, all that, and the toys, all that was out there. Ride that wave to create a darker, go back to our origins movie, kind of like Batman did, where it went back to its darker roots when it was just recently been the Adam West stuff, right? Um, and the studio didn't like it. So about halfway through filming, they said, make it funnier. Which, if you watch the second half of the movie, which I said I watched three times, it wacky sound effects get put in there, a little bit of wackiness gets added to it, um, and you can sort of see where the studio steps in and says, "We don't want to go that dark." Twelve-year-olds are watching this thing. 
I believe there's actually, to your point, Chris, I believe there's actually a clip of that roof scene where Shredder fights in a more engaged battle. Yeah, I'm not sure, but I think there is. I've heard it. I saw it on a couple of Reddits. I don't know. I wanted to ask you, and this is just a purely scientific question. Three times seeing it, do you have the Ninja Turtle rap down at this point? I do not. <laughs> <laughs> I just figured you would have had that rap down after three times watching it. I'll, I'll be uh, making my rendition next week. <laughs> well, what's also funny about this is the writer of, this, of the screenplay, uh, before making this, was only really wrote for sitcoms. Um, he wrote for Small Wonder, The Jeffersons, Different Strokes, uh, which is why I thought it was such a sort of a strange look at how dark it gets. But this guy's coming from, you know, happy sitcom world. You know, those sitcoms are not as, as happy as you remember, uh, especially Different Strokes. There's a lot of darkness in Different Strokes, and you go back and watch it now. There actually is. I, I did watch the Fresh Prince episode where, uh, where where the dad and the whole... I mean, there is some darkness in these sitcoms. That's a whole nother road we should not go down right now. <laughs> <laughs> so so let's talk about... Let's switch gears and talk about pacing. We've been talking about tone for a while, but pacing of this movie, how do you feel it play, uh, pans out? I think the pacing was good because it was not really an origin story. I mean, the origin of them is there, and this is kind of their introduction to the world, but it wasn't... You didn't start it with, you know, the, the the turtles becoming these mutant ninja turtles and going through training and then all of a sudden showing up in New York. You, you, you started with them as grown ninjas and then it had those flashback sequences. So it, it kept the thing moving very fast from the get-go. I mean, the, the whole movie starts with, um, you know, Raphael kind of saving April and that starts their interaction with more of the real world. And it, it, it slows down in parts, but it doesn't get extremely slow because during those moments you're having those those other looks at what the foot clan is doing you have the other looks at what they're doing because they they capture uh, splinter at one point so then you get to see what they're doing to him uh it has it has it moves fast enough i i remembered this being not that fast but again i think that's a 13 year old telling you that information i i thought this actually moved really well when i watched this the first time it ended and i thought it was only an hour long uh because it moves fairly fast but no, it's a full-length movie, and then when I watched it again the second time, there were definitely parts that dragged a little, but even then, it wasn't bad at all. I kind of agree. I think that's the same. But there were a couple parts I did fast-forward through. You know, I, that, the kid part, I found as I'm older, I didn't really have that kind of connection, whereas when I was a kid, it was like, oh, this is cool. But now it's like, okay, why is this kid here? Uh, let's get to the shred thing. And I like the fights. And I, Again, I think for me, that scene when they're in the uh, wooden house just kind of paces perfectly the rest of it's pretty good though it it did fly by and it was a really good movie it was a lot going on that's what i noticed there's a lot happening and they still managed to kind of wrap everything up with a bow yeah i can't agree more i think this movie definitely does not have the issue a lot of movies have these days where they're just sort of overweight you know they're hitting two and a half three hours long this movie i did not look at the clock um even on the third watching i did not look at the clock the i think it has its pacing goes well it doesn't spend too much time lingering on too much. I mean, I did think the the scene in the farmhouse was getting a little long, but it cut off at the right time because they sort of chimed in with the, the mysticism and calling out the, the splinter. So I think it worked out pretty well. See, I, I didn't mind that. I know as a kid, I didn't like that part. I thought it slowed down a lot till they get back to where they go back into New York. But now because Raphael is trying to heal and you're not really sure, I mean, you're pretty sure they're not just going to let him die, right? But it was still just, it, it had it actually had a purpose. It was them kind of regrouping. It was that classic, 
Um, you know, the, the hero gets taken down when you think he's not going to, and then he has to go into hiding to kind of retrain and do all that stuff. But it wasn't a cheesy training montage for two minutes, and then they showed back up in New York, which is what I would have wanted at 13, that I was glad didn't happen this time. I agree, and I also think it showed the nice Casey Jones-April O'Neill interaction. <laughs> and April was kind of hot as an adult. I'm kind of like, wow, she's pretty damn good looking. <laughs> well, Fergal, I'm sorry to say you did not get to see her belly button. <laughs> no, but you did get to see her blouse. <laughs> uh, okay, so overall, how would you guys feel about this movie? So I did like it. What I, what I have to say is uh, I... This might be one of the first movies that we've looked at that I enjoyed thoroughly. I, I did. I had a great time. But I don't know if I would like this movie if I had not seen it the first time when I was 13. Right? There's others where I thought I didn't like it much before, but now I, I see a lot that I like more. Or I see it in a different light. I, I saw it this time and I enjoyed it. But like my kids weren't in, in the room when I started watching some of it. And they were like, Dad, what are you watching? And they just walked out. They were not interested at all. They know what the turtles are, but it, it's not what they were interested in at all. I 100% agree. I actually had this on the big TV with my son and he was, he called me a boomer and walked out of the room <laughs> while he had his hand in his phone and he just literally said boomer, which got him in trouble, but he still did it anyway. So I think that says everything. I enjoy the movie as an adult. I think it really does give me exactly what I was looking for that. I think that's why I like the turtles so much because there's an interesting comic that was unlike anything at the time. And to this day, um, endures like unlike anything at this time, except maybe The Crow. And so I just, I think it's a great book, great story. Um, and it just brought back some really great memories. Yeah, I agree. It, it is, overall, it's a good movie. It's not, it's totally very different than the later ones, which of course we're not talking about today. But, um, and very totally different than the 80s cartoon. But it does seem to be more true to the, the source material and what it's, you know, trying to lean on for that. It kind of, I know, I know I've already said this, but it really does kind of remind me of the 89 Batman. I 100% agree with you. I think that the 89 Batman is what gave rise to that Neil Adams, that darker Batman, that Tim Burton was perfect for that vision. This is the same exact story. And that's why, to Jeremy's point, and to your point, I think as well, by the later part of the second half of the movie, you started to see a purposeful lightning, but you could still see them trying to add some of the darker tones back in. Actually, speaking of Batman, I know we're talking about the overall plot here, but the part when Raphael is leaving the movie theater, right? And on the marquee, it says, I think it's, <laughs> it's what, Critters? critters. <laughs> yes, it's it? Critters. He was originally supposed to be Batman. And he was supposed to say, nice car, stupid outfit. <laughs> that would have been awesome and actually when it showed critters have any of you guys seen that movie that is an, that is a ripoff of gremlins but an interesting film and we'll have to get that one down the line yeah i've seen critters uh i've certainly seen yeah i've seen all four critters in fact and then there was a series they put out on on shutter a few years ago that's a kind of goofier take on it but it's yeah i, I know all about critters that's why i didn't mind they didn't say batman that's interesting that it would have but i thought just critters i was like sure why not it made sense to me question i have for that is and i'll have to look this up after the show but was critters really a ripoff of gremlins or like which one came out first because critters falls in that bucket of 80s horror movies that gremlins kind of put its toe into but didn't fully go into because of course steven spielberg was involved yeah i mean it's it's the same like gremlins and ghoulies 
uh, yeah. Munchies. There's all these little these these horror movies that were right, quote horror movies that, that were about little like little monsters that were in little groups as opposed to being one big monster or you know a, a slasher. So it, it's very much like what Gremlins would do. It, it's I don't know if I'd say it's a ripoff of Gremlins, but that was what they were aiming at that style of of movie. Yeah, it, it's no Leprechaun. No. <laughs> hey, hold on, guys. We're going to the Leprechaun. That is a standalone movie on its own. That is. My heritage, but with an uglier face. Should people watch this movie? Like it, it's out on, I think Paramount Plus. When I watch this, I actually, funny thing was, I actually owned this box set at one point, and like Electra, it has disappeared. So I don't know where it is, but I mean, it's out there right now. It's on streaming. It's everywhere. Uh, would you guys recommend someone to go out and watch this thing? So I, I would say. If you like the turtles, then sure, go ahead and watch this. You won't dislike it. But I would not use this to introduce somebody to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle property. Like some of the other movies we've talked about, I think are fine standalone things. You could say if you're like this, you might want to go back and read the comics. But I think if you introduce somebody to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles with this movie, they may not get why this is fun. I actually agree on this point as well. I think the only people you could really introduce this to would be those who've read the books or those who know of the storylines, maybe a lost Ronin person. But I think uh, for a majority of the people, the newer movie is a much better representation of the turtles today. You mean uh, the CGI one that just came out recently? The Mutant Mayhem. I just watched that in preparation of this movie, along with this movie, just to get a sense of how far the turtles have gone since the first time they came out to now. You're, so you're yeah. saying that's better than the Michael Bay TMNT? <laughs> uh, that depends. I actually liked the Michael Bay. I thought their, uh, their their CGI was not that great, but I did like the Michael Bay movie. April O'Neil was definitely an interesting aspect of that. Megan Fox portrayed her well. I have not seen that movie yet. Um, and hopefully maybe one day it'll pop up on our list. But back to this DMT, one of the, whether it's like 20 different turtle, turtle movies, but the one we're talking about, <laughs> would you guys rewatch this thing? 100%. I enjoyed it. It, it for, for nothing else, it just made me think of a significant moment from my childhood. You know, I, I think Jeremy would agree that when we saw this movie, especially because he's a comic fanatic as well, that it was like the culmination, the first set of culminations along with Batman 89 of seeing your comic heroes on the big screen. And for a kid, there's nothing better. I would agree that I was a comic guy, but again, I hadn't read these comics until later because I, you know, the comic, the cartoon was what was really big at the time. Um, but for me, it was kind of like the other two kind of big properties that did the full length movie were G.I. Joe and Transformers. And both of those were animated movies that were great, but they were animated movies. So it was exactly what you'd expect, just twice as long than, than an episode, three times as long, where this was the first time I saw a, a show that I was into as a kid. We was going to have this live action version. Uh, and, and so for me, it was like, is this, is this going to be good or bad? And I walked out kind of being disappointed because it wasn't just what I, you know, didn't have that over the top uh, cartoonness that I was looking for in it. But now I appreciate it a lot more for what it is. And, and I would agree that I do watch it now with the sense of nostalgia and, and enjoy it for that sake. The same reason I would watch. And I think these are all good movies. But would I say that every kid on Earth needs to run out and see, you know, Goonies or Gremlins or the uh, the first uh, first couple Indiana Jones movies. I don't know. I love them, but do do current kids like them as much as I did when I was a kid? Probably not. There are much more uh, amazing uh, movies that to watch with uh, with more amazing effects because there's a lot more uh, science on it than this time than there were at the time. So I don't know. I I would definitely rewatch it, but I don't know. Again, I, I don't know if I'd recommend it. <laughs> yeah, me personally, I. I given the fact I've just watched it three times, I probably won't watch it again for another, another decade. (laughs) 
I'll let it gather some dust before I go back to it. Not because it's bad, just because I've gotten my fill. <laughs> I think you should definitely try to memorize the uh, turtle rap, though. Yeah, I'm going to be releasing a new album later. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll do songs. No, I, I'll do songs from the entire TMNT franchise. <laughs> I think three times in a row, Chris. That that's a lot. That's a lot in general. That's just a ton of Corey Feldman. That alone would make your mind stressed. I just like to make sure I'm prepared. <laughs> well, I mean, sort of behind the curtain a little bit. I watch it one time to pay attention to it and understand what's happening. And then the other two times, I'll put it on the background while I'm in the shop, right? Um, occasionally when I'm you know, watching glue dry, it's better, it's better than watching glue dry. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so normally we ask if a remake makes sense, but they have remade or revisited the TMNT for a while. How about, a better question might be, if they release this movie today, would it be a success? I don't. I don't think it would be. I think it would be because there are better, uh, at least better to, to the people who are currently following Turtles, right? Like my kids know the Teenage Mutant Turtles, but they didn't care about this movie because it looked goofy to them. I, I don't think it would do incredibly well if you just put this out today at all. I think this movie suffers from the kind of the uh, quality of the technology at the time. I think one of the things I think it like, there's like a Tron thing to it where like the first Tron movie is breathtaking for what it was. But if I tried to watch it again today, even with my son, he'd walk out of the room and I just, I don't think it would identify. I think this movie definitely needs a remaster, but I don't think it's necessarily for new people. I think there's a lot of turtles you can jump into depending on where you came from to Jeremy's point. Like, you know, your kids or someone new to it. There's so many different ways to look at this, uh, this phenomenon. Yeah, I think you're right. It's, um, it, it was, it was good for its place in time. You know, when it was released, I think that was the ideal time for this movie, which is reflected in how well it did in the box office. I mean, it broke records for being an independent film, which still blows my mind today that that was an independent film. So guys, um, thumbs up, thumbs down. How do you guys feel about TMNT? I love it. I'm going I'm to give it a thumbs up, solid thumbs up. It's not even going to be a halfway thumbs up, although I'm still going to nuance it a little bit with the second half of the movie, but I think the first half pulls it through to a full and enthusiastic thumbs up. I have to give it a uh, a 40-year-old three-quarter thumbs up. If you're 40 years old, go ahead and see it. It's a great time. I do think that it is, you know, it does drag in a little, a little bit in some parts, and you can tell that they, they added some stuff in to make it fun again for kids, I guess, but uh, if you're not, you know... 35 to 40 uh, or older, uh, you probably won't care for this as much as other turtles. So maybe it doesn't earn your, your three quarters thumb, but for me and my thumbs, three quarters. Yeah. I'm kind of with you on that one, Jeremy, for me, um, me today, it's 2023 looking back on it as a TMT fan, three quarters up. Sounds about right. Um, but I'd say if you, you were not a fan of the, of TMT as, as a whole, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you would, I would not recommend this movie to you unless you're an actual fan. You want to go back and look at it because there's a lot of newer media out there that supports that fandom or could be better, a better way to introduce you to that, that IP. So well, I guess that's the movie for us guys. Um, let's figure out what we're doing next. Fergal, what are you up to these days? I am up to quite a bit. We are dropping a bunch of new merch. Um, we've been coming up with some amazing different variations of Gotham Knight, creating a unique brand and our own kind of unique spin on that whole cool shirt thing. Um, we're also working on the first uh, Comic-Con for our, for our own store, kind of something different. Um, not like something you got to pay to come into, but something more of a kind of a fair type experience. Just something to have fun with. And Jeremy, how about you? Uh, I'm in the middle of this, this. This episode is part of a triumvirate 
of turtle activities across different podcasts that I either host or am a guest on. So, uh, you know, we did this movie, did the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles you just heard about. Uh, we're going to be covering probably the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Hyperstone Heist on Sega Genesis over on Retrovaniacs. It should be up live now or shortly after this episode goes live. And on the One Rad Podcast Network, I'm going on for their Christmas extravaganzas, and we're going to be talking about a live-action Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles holiday special uh, that has a lot of songs. So, Chris, if you're doing an album, I highly recommend watching that episode uh, of, of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles live-action Christmas. A lot of songs there to do. A lot of songs. I'll have my beatbox ready, and I'll start taping it. <laughs> I'll come with you, Chris, on that one. That'll be... Jeremy can provide the chorus. I'll come with you on that one. Uh well, I'm actually just starting a new project. Uh, we're starting a new comic book cabinet, it's a Spider-Man themed, where we're going to go with a very uh, Ethan Allen style, so look very classy, and then yet we're going to hide Spider-Man all over the thing, as well as a wall storage unit for a gentleman who collects vintage risk boards. It should look pretty interesting when it's all finished up. But if you enjoyed the show today, please give us a review and a share for your friends. If you want to drop us a note, tell us how we're wrong in all the ways I normally am. And or make a suggestion, just visit us at movie-smash.com, and I look forward to talking to you all next week. Please give us a review and share with your friends. If you want to drop us a note, tell us where we were wrong, or give us a movie suggestion, visit us at movie-smash.com.